glorious day this is. Glad to have you here with us this morning. Glad to have those of you who are online with us there, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, any of those platforms, welcome there. Uh, be sure to heart to like, to follow, subscribe uh, there on YouTube, retweet us there on Twitter, and then welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming also. Thank you for being there with us. Uh, want to mention to you also uh, that if you use the Bible app, uh, you can also find us there on the Bible app. Just go to find my church and under my church, do your uh, settings where you can find locations and you'll sh show our church there. There's some notes there for the message for this morning also that you can follow along with. So I encourage you to take uh, the time to do that maybe this morning also. I want to encourage you, if you have access to our church uh, website, uh, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download today's worship bulletin. If you need one of these in person, our ushers at the door will be glad to give you one. Uh, they are in the windowsills to my right and left also. We also have our children's worship bulletins that are under that info tab. They're to my right in the windowsill here if you need the printed version. And then we also have our prayer list. Those are out here on the table across from the offices, but you can download that also under the info tab there on our website, so be sure to get that downloaded and be praying for those individuals uh, that are on that list. So just wanted to remind you of all those things that you can do there. Uh, don't forget about the Bible app. And so, Brother Mike, you'll come. Good morning, all. I know some of you have just sat down, but I'd ask for you to stand and join the choir as we sing 323, Come Ye Sinners Poor and Needy. Spam.
Well, you'll notice in your bulletins in our order of service, this is our time for our missionary moments of the week. Uh, our missionary of the week is, uh, and I'm sure I'm butchering their names, is Wunji and Inju Chun, uh, who are serving in Duluth, Georgia. Uh, they are ministering to Koreans there. Uh, nearly a third of all Koreans in Georgia live in Gwinnett County. More than 100,000 first and second generation Koreans live in that county, uh, leading Korean-themed restaurants, retail shops, and marketplace markets there uh, to become a prominent aspect of the community. And so there's many opportunities here uh, that the Chuns are being led by God to have opportunity to minister and to serve there. And so I want to encourage you to be praying uh, that God would open the doors and the opportunities, uh, open the hearts of the Koreans there that are in Duluth uh, to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that God would provide for everything that the Chuns need for the ministry that they have. We want to pray for all of our missionaries, whether that's across North America or around the world. So let's go to, to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are, and thank you so much for the blessing of being able to join you in worship this morning. Father, we come before you, and we ask, Lord, for you to speak to our hearts, to lead us, to guide us to a closer <coughs> relationship with you. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning. And we know for that to happen, Lord, we cannot be holding on to sin in our hearts and our lives. So, Father, we come before you first to confess any sin that we might have, Lord, that we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us uh, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Set us, Lord, on a path of righteousness for your name's sake, and may you be glorified in all that we say and do. Lord, forgive us for all the things we have done against you and the things we have failed uh, to do that you've commanded us to do, especially that of sharing the gospel, Lord, with those who are around us who may not know Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Father, we just pray that you would uh, be with our missionaries uh, this week, the Chuns who are serving there in Duluth, Georgia. We ask, Lord, for you to have your hand upon them, Lord, to bless them uh, in the ministry there and reaching out to the Koreans there in Gwinnett County. Father, we just pray that you'd open up many more opportunities there for the gospel to go forth, uh, for people to become saved. And Father, we just pray that uh, as many times our churches have failed to go to the nations, you're bringing the nations to us. Father, I pray that we would be receptive in our hearts to minister to those around us who are from the other nations, Lord, to share the gospel with them, because that's the most important thing, that they would come to faith in Christ and be discipled in that walk with Jesus. So lead us this morning, Lord, as we come to worship you in all the songs we sing and the message that is preached. May you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. I do want to remind you, especially if you're at home, uh, you can go on our church website there at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Anybody can do that from anywhere. Uh, if you want to do that with the offering envelopes, they're in the pews in front of you, uh, as well as our international missions offering envelopes are still around. Uh, you can give to that. We will be beginning here shortly, uh, I believe it's maybe next week or the following, uh, emphasizing our North American missions offering, our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So I want to encourage you to be praying about giving uh, towards that. But you can do that there on our church website. And then don't forget uh, our Hoosier One cards. They're down here in front of the pulpit. I had to pick up one this morning because mine 
uh, does not have my things on it anymore. They're over here on the cross. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you've not done that yet, to grab one of these uh, today before you leave. Uh, on the back side of the blue part here, just put the name of an individual uh, that you may know that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior uh, that you want to be praying for, uh, and then tear that piece off place it in an offering plate. We'll get it on the cross over here later because we want to record those names. Beginning the month of March, uh, we're going to be offering to you some other cards uh, for you to be praying for other people's names that they have placed uh, on the cross here. But once you've taken that off, uh, put the name of the individual right here on this part and then use this 40-day uh, prayer guide to go through or 30-day prayer guide here to go through and, and be praying for those individuals. If you use the Bible app, uh, you'll find that we have a reading plan, a Bible reading plan on there uh, with Hoosier One. That's going to be our next uh, sermon series that we're going to be going through beginning in March. Uh, and so you can go ahead and get a head start on that 40-day reading plan if you want to do that. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Brother Mike? You all sounded good on that last song. When we were going through that first song, or that song we just sang, Pat and, and Gail both said, when I hear that song, I want to go into the song shouting time like the hoppers do. So we didn't do that this time. I thought I'd throw enough curveballs as it is. Uh, join us right now as we sing Whosoever Will, and uh, you don't have to stand on this one, but it's hymn 314, Whosoever Will. Ladies. children will be gathering over on the piano side for children's church and the next hymn if you will stand and join the choir let's sing there's room at the cross 315 
Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Luke's Gospel uh, in Luke chapter 16. As you're turning there, I saw that there were some who were uh, trying to find us there on uh, the Bible app. If you'll go down to the very bottom in that right-hand corner, there's three little bars that say more. Uh, click that and you'll see it says events. Uh, right above the events, you'll find all the churches in our area that have events, and you'll see ours listed there if your church has already been determined there. Uh, it probably should still be anyway because it's the closest. Click on that and you'll see uh, today's message. You'll see the scriptures that we're using uh, as well as some more information uh, there about the message so you can study further. Uh, so Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through verse 31. Uh, we're going to read this entire section uh, this morning. And so if you would, let's stand and read God's word in honor of his word. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 19. <clears throat> There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, 
who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said then, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your word. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would speak in a powerful way. May your spirit be here, and may your word go forth and not return void. We pray that you'll bless this message to stir the hearts, Lord, not only of those who need faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior, but also to stir the hearts of those of us who are believers, Lord, Lord, to have a more sense of urgency in our hearts, to share with those around us, to share with our one about Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. So bless this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, if you really want to create an awkward situation, an awkward conversation quickly, there are a few surefire topics uh, to bring up. Uh, for instance, politics. I mean, uh, that can sure do it. Religion often does the trick as well, particularly when somebody suggests that there is only one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ, and that all those who don't have faith in Jesus are going to spend an eternity in hell. Conversation over. Well, hell is another one of those subjects that the conversation uh, can turn pretty quickly and end pretty quickly. In this story here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19 through verse 31 here, it's a very similar thing here because uh, you'll notice in verse 30 here, uh, how does this man know that in order not to go to hell, you need to repent? Notice what he says in verse 30 again. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So how did he know that? Well, one of the things we know is there's good theology in hell. And then notice verse 31. Verse 31, he said to him, Abraham says to the man, he says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So think about that this morning as we get into this message. If you had a family member to die 
and they were to go to hell, and Jesus released them from hell and sent them back here to Tullahoma to warn you, the Bible tells us here and is sharing with us here that there is no more likelihood that you would repent than if you heard me preaching. Now, someone may say, I tell you one thing, preach a message like that. If there's somebody here that's lost, they'll get saved. And that may be true, but that's not why we're looking at this subject this morning. I'm speaking on this topic, speaking to those of you who are here this morning who already have that relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have that relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are on your way to heaven. Uh, you are no longer uh, on your way to hell because you got saved. But so often, as happens for us as believers, we, we've lost our focus. We've, we've let the world and things of this world and the cares and the, the anxieties and, and things of this world to crowd out the, the important thing for us to do. And so we've forgotten where we were headed before to the point that we no longer tell people where they're headed. And we're living in a generation that doesn't like to hear uh, about hell. Many people don't want to deal with it. They, they don't even want to talk about death itself. And, and so this is not just a message this morning for those of you who may be here or watching online who have never trusted by faith in Jesus. That's one aspect of this message, and I hope that you will hear the gospel message that Jesus loves you and that he died on the cross for your sins and that he was resurrected from the grave. But did you know there are millions of people that even though he came back from the dead still don't believe? That's what is the heart of this message that Abraham is telling this rich man uh, in hell. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a believer here this morning, uh, that as we're praying for, I hope you are praying uh, for your one, uh, that you're maybe inviting them uh, to come over to the house or to go out to eat with you so that you can begin building a relationship with them to share the gospel with them. Uh, that's the hope of this message, that it would stir your hearts for those who are lost. And so the Bible records here this account of a rich man and a poor man. And notice what happens to both of them. They both die. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people I run into in life who, whether they say it or not, they live their life as if I'm never going to die. Nothing's ever going to happen to me. They both die. The proverb says that the rich and the poor have this in common. God is creator of both. The poor man goes to, uh, goes to heaven. He's embraced by Abraham. The rich man dies and suffers in hell. And he looks across this great divide uh, to heaven and he asks for mercy for water and for somebody to warn his family so that they can avoid this place that he's in. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus isn't going to allow those in hell, because that's what we're going to see in this passage this morning, if he's not going to allow those who are in hell to come back and warn people of hell, let me ask you this question. Who will? Who is going to warn people? In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Jesus tells a story of a future time when he separates people into two groups, the sheep and the goats, and he welcomes the one, the sheep, uh, with this phrase. He says, enter into my peace. Uh, 
And to the other group, the, the, those who are the goats who represent those who are without Christ, he says to those on his left in verse 41 of Matthew 25, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where we're headed without Christ and because we're part of the accursed until somebody shares the gospel with us. And here's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus took the punishment that I deserve. In fact, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. I deserve to be punished for my sins. But you know what? Jesus took the punishment for me, and he took the punishment for you on that cross. He became accursed for us, and he allowed the wrath of God to come upon him, uh, which was in the cup uh, that he prayed about in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, that was going to be poured out on sinners. And so Jesus Christ, he drank all of that cup to become a curse for us. So basically, where the wrath of God was going to fall on me and was going to fall on you, Jesus Christ became accursed for us so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could spend eternity with him if we would surrender to his lordship over our lives. He's Lord already. We just need to accept it. That's the gospel. Well, the Bible so often speaks, though, of the reality of hell. One of the most difficult questions, and I'm just going to give you one for Christians, is this. I bet you've heard this. How can a, a good and loving God send someone to hell? You ever heard somebody ask that question? Maybe you've even wondered that yourself. How can a good and loving God send anyone to hell? Well, understand this. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We go there of our own choice because we choose to reject Jesus Christ. We choose to reject the free gift of salvation. That's what the Bible tells us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John chapter 3 verse 17 says it this way. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him, through Jesus. Now, way back in 2001, there was a poll that was taken in America asking the question if Americans believed in hell. Uh, way back in 2001, 71% of Americans said, we believe in hell. Several years ago, just not too long ago, it changed from 71% to only 58% of Americans who believe in hell. And that was about five years ago, and I'm sure the statistics are even less than that now. They asked these Americans to define what hell is. And this is not my definition. Listen to the people who oftentimes don't believe in hell define hell. Uh, one of the ways they defined it was this. It's a place where people who have led bad lives and die without being sorry are eternally punished. If you read the New Testament, in its 27 books, you'll find that Jesus spoke on hell three times to every one time that he spoke about heaven. Jesus in this story took a snapshot, if you will, and shows us, and was showing uh, the disciples here, was showing us also a picture of the first few minutes for us after death. 
He pulls back the curtains of eternity, if you will. He gives us a look at the unseen world, and he shows us the, the immediate fate of two men who died, one who died with God and the other who died without God. Now, there are some who call this a parable, but I believe what we have really before us is a true story. First of all, Jesus doesn't introduce it as a parable. Uh, the times we know as a parable, he does introduce it as a parable. But furthermore, he does something he never does in any other parable. He gives specific names. No other parable does he do that. In other parables, names are never mentioned. But here are two historical figures who are for certain named. One is Abraham, the other is Moses, and then the name Lazarus. I believe this is an actual true-to-life account of what happened to two men just a few seconds after they died. The only thing these two men had in common was the fact that God had made them both. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2 says this, The rich and the poor have this in common, the Lord is the maker of them all. So it doesn't matter who you are here this morning. It doesn't matter who you are here watching this online this morning. Every one of us, God is the maker of us all. But other than that, these two men were as different as night and day. They were different in their position. One was a prince, the other was a pauper. They were different in their possessions. Uh, one was uh, a millionaire, the other was a bum. Uh, they were different in their passions. One loved gold, the other loved God. And it was that difference that made all the difference in the world. And so I want to preach to you this morning about what Jesus tells us here in this story of this rich man and Lazarus about the reality of hell. The first thing I want you to see about hell this morning is this, is that hell is a place that's divided. Hell is a place that's divided. From the womb to the tomb, there was a great division between these two men. They were divided by their decision. Go back to verse 19 down through verse 22. On the outside, the difference between these two men was as obvious as night and day. I mean, one was rich he was dressed in probably in purple, which was the color of royalty. He would have worn fine linen, which was in fact that day among the most expensive fabric that money could buy. Uh, the Bible tells us there in verse 19, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. So he literally, that word fared sumptuously there, literally translated, means that he lived it up. It was like he had a smorgasbord. He had a buffet every day. Whatever kind of food he wanted, it was there. He could feast on it. He could, he could live up life. It, it refers to specifically how well this man ate. He had a banquet at every meal. He literally lived in luxury and wallowed in wealth. He had everything that money could buy. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's not me this morning. But did you know that to the rest of the world, every person who lives in America, even the poorest of people who live here in America, are far richer than those who are in other countries? You're rich when compared to them. 
So, so don't think this doesn't apply to us because you may not have as much as compared to someone else in America who does. And so here was this man who had everything that money could buy. On the other hand, Lazarus was extremely poor. In fact, we find out that he was a cripple, verse 20, and at his gate, at the rich man's gate, was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. So he was laid there because he was probably crippled here, uh, couldn't walk, so someone, uh, some of his friends laid him there at this man's gate, knowing this guy's rich, he's got a lot of stuff, surely he'll give him some crumbs to eat, he'll give him some, just a little bit uh, to help sustain his, his life. Here was this man who had nothing to eat. It seemed like his sores and his ulcers were eating him. He, he had no money for food, for, for medicine, for doctors. He was as poor as the other man was rich. But that wasn't the greatest difference in these two men. The major difference between these two men wasn't that one was rich and the other was poor. So don't get the idea that one man went to hell because he was rich and the other didn't because he was poor. The difference between these two men wasn't what they owned, it was what owned them. So understand that if the rich man had given everything he owned to Lazarus, so if he had said, Lazarus, you come in, I'll go sit outside the gate, you can have it all. The rich man could have done that. But if he had done that, that alone would not have gotten him into heaven. Because understand, God doesn't want anything you have. God wants everything you are. You see, the rich man had everything except the most important thing, and that was God. And he was satisfied with his wealth and his riches. The poor man had nothing but God. And he was saved. Do you know what the name Lazarus means? It means God is my helper, or in God I trust. And so when Jesus is telling this story, even in the names of this individual here, as he's naming Lazarus, he leaves no doubt that Lazarus trusted in God. We're told in verse 22 that when he died, when Lazarus died, uh, verse 22 tells us the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side or to Abraham's bosom, as some versions refer to it. it it's also obvious here uh, with this man uh, that when he died, he was carried by the angels. But look at the rich man who was lost. He knew why he was lost. Because we find out that he asks Abraham later in this story to let Lazarus go. He says, he doesn't even ask, can you let me go and tell him? He says, could you just let Lazarus go and preach to my brothers? So as verse 30 says, so that they would repent. Now notice that he had never repented himself. He had never placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he knew it. He knew that he couldn't go back and tell his brothers about something he never had to start with. That's why he says, could you just send Lazarus? I know Lazarus knows you. I know Lazarus has a relationship with you. I know Lazarus has repented. Would you send him? So notice, the rich man... He was in hell, not because he didn't give bread to Lazarus, but rather because he had never accepted the bread of life himself. 
And so these two men were divided by a decision. And it's that decision that made all the difference in this life and in the life to come. We also want to see that they were divided by death. They were divided by death. So again, there at verse 22 and verse 23, we see this interesting to see how Jesus describes the moment of death for these two men. In verse 22, Jesus said that the beggar, that this poor man here, was carried, but the rich man, when he died, he was buried. Did you catch that in the verse? Notice again there, verse 22. The poor man died and was carried to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And so it's exactly here that you see the great divide. You see, you can't always tell on this earth who belongs to God and who doesn't. I mean, just take a look around the congregation here. Look at people that you uh, go to school with, young people. Look at people around us. There are a lot of people who are out there in this world who do good things. You can't tell from the outside because that's the way we typically look to see is a person a Christian. Are they doing good things? Are they doing philanthropic type things? And there's a lot of people who are doing those things who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And so on this earth, you can't always tell who belongs to God and who doesn't. Who are the lost and who are the saved? I look out there this morning, and I have no clue where every person's uh, spiritual condition is. I I think I know where some are, but I don't know your heart. That's a a heart relationship you have with God or don't have with God. And and so people who seem to have many times the same backgrounds, the same opportunities, and in many cases, even the same genes and chromosomes, the same tendencies and abilities, and yet they end up worlds apart at death because of a prior decision. When Lazarus died, we're told that he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. In the Old Testament, the phrase Abraham's side was used by the Jewish people to indicate paradise, the place where God's people went after death. On the other hand, Jesus tells us that this rich man, he just simply was buried. There's no question that this rich man probably had a magnificent funeral. Uh, when the rich man, when the rich people of that day died, uh, you, you go back and you even look in the Bible and you'll see that they many times would hire people to come as mourners. I mean, they would want to make sure that the church was filled when they had their funeral. And so they would hire people to come and to, to weep and to wail uh, over, their, over their body that would, uh, when they would die. And so this, the rich people would hire those people. The bodies uh, of the rich would be embalmed uh, with the most expensive spices that money could buy, wrapped in the finest linen, and would be placed in the costliest of graves. But the bottom line is, he died and he was buried. They were also divided, not only by death, but also divided by destiny. Uh, Again, in verse 22 and verse 23, after these men died, one went to be eternally glorified, the other went to be eternally horrified. One entered into the joy of the Lord, while the other entered into the judgment of the Lord. One entered into the happiness of heaven, and one went to endure the horrors of hell. One man went from rags to riches, while the other man went from riches to rags. We're told specifically 
as you come on down to verse 25, that Lazarus was comforted. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. So you could see Lazarus here uh, moments after he's died. I mean, he had sores on his body at one point, but now he's in paradise. Now he's with the Lord. Now he is comforted. No more pain, no more suffering. He's not hungry anymore because he's dining at the table of the Lord. He wasn't sick anymore because he's permanently healed by the great physician. He wasn't poor anymore because now he's in paradise. He wasn't homeless anymore. Now he's living in paradise. But the rich man, the rich man was another story. Verse 23 describes his immediate fate after death. He was in Hades being in torment. He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. He was in Hades, which is the, the place that the Old Testament describes as the place of the dead, the place where the dead never die. Here we have one of the most detailed descriptions in all of the Bible of the place of the doomed and those who have been damned. Hell is also a place, though, that is eternal. It's forever. When someone asks uh, or says, are you saved? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? And you say, or somebody says, if you've asked them, I hope so, I think so, I'm counting on it. If there's a way to know so, then we ought to, that ought to be one of the subjects that we ought to want to know. We ought to want to know so. Well, the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. So if you ever have any doubts about your salvation, I'd encourage you to go to the letter of 1 John and do a study through 1 John. Uh, read it, get a commentary, go through it. It'll help to give you reassurance about your salvation or the lack thereof so that you can make sure that you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because here's what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John said this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And then he continues on with the letter to tell you how you can know. I'd encourage you. That's a, there's a lot that uh, I don't know, but there's one thing I do know is that I have eternal life. I know that God has changed me. Any person in Christ is a new creation. I, I'm not what I ought to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And if you're saved here this morning, you can give the same testimony of how he's made a difference in your life. And I'm glad that he's made a difference in my life because I really do believe with all my heart, hell is eternal. It is a reality. And understand this, everybody here is going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either gonna spend eternity in hell or you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And the way you get to one of those or the other is based on the decision you make. Maybe the decision you make this morning. Maybe a decision you made years ago. But here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't wait around to make the choice. Because you have no promise of tomorrow. Hell is also a place, we find out in this story, hell is a place of unending pain. Verse 24 tells us that. He called out. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. 
and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. The Bible refers to being tormented. Jesus on another occasion said, it's the place where the worm dieth not. Jesus used these words about hell to describe it, that there's gnashing of teeth. Every word that this man who's in hell here utters is a word of agony. In verse 24, we read that he called out. Now that literally means there, cried. It means to scream in agony. This man was in such agony, we're told in verse 24 there, that he cries out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Think about it. Got a little bottle of water here. You ever thought about how much a drop of water on the tip of your finger is? Can you see that? Some of you up here in front may be able to, but others of you at the back you can't even see that. Just a little drop of water. And he says, could you just send him over with a little drop of water on his finger to come and quench the, the, the anguish that I'm going through here, the pain that I'm experiencing. Such little on his finger, and yet he was crying out and he was begging for even less than a drop of water. Why? Because hell is a place of torment. It's a place of torture. It's a place of pain. It's a place of agony. It's a place of misery. And without question, it's a place that is real. Hell is a place where there's no water for the fire, no medicine for the pain, no comfort for the suffering. It's a place of unending pain. But we also see that hell is a place of unsatisfied passion. Uh, again, in verse 24, this man had a thirst that couldn't be satisfied. There was no way that you could satisfy a person burning in a flame with a drop of water on the tip of your finger. Hell was a place of unsatisfied passions. It's a place where no one will be ever able to satisfy their loss, where they'll never be able to quench their thirst, where no one will be able to satisfy their habit or to be able to satisfy their hunger. Hell is a place of unsatisfied passion. Then also hell is a place of unanswered prayer. Because notice what happened there in those verses. He had cried out to Father Abraham to have mercy on him. And then we come down to verse 27 and verse 28. And because Abraham says, I can't do that. There's a great gulf that's fixed between us. I couldn't even do it if I wanted to because you can't come over here and we can't go over there. I can't even send anybody over there to you. And so verse 27, the man begins to beg some more. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. If he can't come over here, can you send him back there, back to home to tell my family? Some versions use the words, I pray you, is a word that literally means there to beg. Did you know that some of the most fervent praying in the world is going on in hell right now? Lord, let me out of this place. 
But the problem is, is that nothing can ever escape hell, not even prayer. This man finally believed in prayer, but he believed in it too late. First of all, he was praying to the wrong person. Notice who he's talking to. He's talking to Abraham, not to God. He was also praying in the wrong place. The time to pray is now, not later. Here, not hell. There are two places where prayer is unnecessary, heaven and hell. In heaven, prayer is not needed, and in hell, prayer is not heeded. But he was also praying with the wrong purpose. He wanted Lazarus to go and to witness to his brothers, and he was thinking this in verse 29. Uh, he was thinking this, that, that he would, uh, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them fear them. Verse 30 says, and he says, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, I'm sure of it, they'll repent. He was saying, if my brothers could just see Lazarus, if they could just see that man who was laying at my gate, who was begging for food, if they could just see him coming back from the dead, if they could talk to him and, and, and he could tell them of the horrors of hell, they would be saved. Notice what Abraham says in verse 31. If they do not hear the Moses and the prophets. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's saying if they won't hear this, they certainly won't listen to someone who comes back from the dead. And so Abraham correctly pointed out that if a person won't believe the word of God, then they will not believe the works of God. Salvation will never be found in a miracle. It's found in a message. It's found in the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally we see here, hell is a place also of unchanged persons, as verse 30 said there. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. There's something you need to see about this rich man that we may have missed at first glance. This rich man still hasn't changed. Even though he's in hell because he did not repent, yet in hell he would not repent. He didn't love God when he was on earth, and he doesn't love God <clears throat> now that he's in hell. You know, there are some people who believe that people are in hell or crying out for God to save them and to take them out of hell. But did you know that the Bible teaches just the opposite? Did you know that there is not one person in hell today crying out for the mercy of God, repenting of their sins, and asking God to save them? We need to understand something plainly. If a person doesn't love God this side of hell, they won't love God on the other side of hell. Hell is a place of unending pity. The rich man is begging Abraham to let Lazarus come over, as we said back in verse 24, just to give him one drop of water. But notice that he had been told in verse 25 and verse 26 about that gulf. That word gulf comes from the Greek word that gives us our English word chasm. There's literally a humongous, many times bigger, Grand Canyon-sized chasm between the lost and the saved that can never be crossed. There's a road that leads into hell, but there's no road that leads out of hell. The road that leads to hell is a one-way, dead-end street. And you see, there's a highway which runs from earth to heaven. It's the way of the cross that leads home. There's a highway that leads from earth to hell. Jesus called it the broad way 
the way of destruction, but there's no highway that runs from hell to heaven. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as a second chance after we die. If you don't choose now, you won't choose then. And hell is a place of hopelessness. Because above everything else, hell is a place of hopelessness. Think about it. Hell is a place where there's no hope. We don't know in this world what it's like to not have hope. If you're sick, there's always hope that you'll get better. In business, there's always hope that the economy will turn around. Even for a person who's been condemned on death row, there's always hope that there could be a pardon, a stay of execution, perhaps an escape. But in hell, there is no hope. And so Jesus tells this story here to illustrate a couple of truths. First of all, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Second, you don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. The choice is up to you. There was an agnostic once who asked a young preacher the question, where is hell? And that young preacher quickly responded at the end of a Christless life. You have a choice before you die, but you have no choice after you die. And I wonder what will you be saying when you die? What, what have you got to do to not go to hell? What, have you, what you have to do is to repent of your sins, to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Your sins will send you to hell because they've never been dealt with. You still owe the penalty for your sins. There's a free gift that's waiting there for you to receive that's already been paid for. All you have to do is repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you, and for Jesus Christ and him alone to come into your life and to save you. But notice this, hell is also a place that wasn't prepared for us. Hell is not a place that was prepared for us. When you go to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, it tells us there that hell was not prepared for any of us. It says in verse 41 there, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse those who are lost, those who are without Christ, into an eternal fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Not prepared for us. The Bible says it was prepared for the devil and the angels. Hell wasn't prepared for people. It was prepared for fallen angels, the devil himself. On the contrary, heaven was prepared for us. You can spend an eternity in a place that wasn't made for you, or you can spend an eternity in a place that was made for you. And it all depends on what you do with Jesus. You may be here this morning and you may be watching online and this is the first time you're hearing this, that Jesus loves you. Would you repent this morning? If that's your desire of your heart and you're acknowledging that you're a sinner and you're sorry for your sins and you acknowledge that you don't have to be a curse because Jesus Christ took the penalty for you and you want to receive his payment on the cross, the wrath that he absorbed for you so you could be saved, is that if that's your desire, you could ask him into your heart right now. You could pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please come into my life and save me?
Cleanse me from my sins. Come live in my life. I give you my life. I receive your life. I mean with all of my heart this commitment to Jesus Christ. Oh God, help me to live the remaining days of my life for Jesus. If you prayed something like that in your heart, it doesn't have to be those exact words, but it has to be that kind of a commitment. If you pray something like that in your heart, the Bible says that if you profess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you call on, call on him as Lord, trust in him as Lord of your life, you can be saved. And if you've done that, I want to encourage you, if you're at home, comment there in the comments and let us know about your decision so we can follow up with you. If you're here this morning, we're fixing to give what we call an invitation, and we want you to come during this invitation. But I want to say again to those of you who are believers, do you believe there's a heaven? Are you sure? Do you believe there's a heaven? Do you believe there's a hell? Then what are we doing? Why aren't we telling people about the reality of hell? Why aren't we praying for those who are lost? I'm not talking about making things happen in people's lives that God is not working there. I'm talking about you being a faithful witness by the life you live and the words you speak to others and praying for them just like we're praying for these on this cross over here. When you begin to do that, what an impact we can make for the kingdom of Christ. That's what this is all about, making an impact for him, living the mission that he's called us to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning. What a powerful passage and a reminder of the reality of hell. Lord, there are people literally around us every day who are dying without Christ and spending an eternity in hell. Lord, there are people within the shadow of this steeple of this church living in these streets right around us here, in the communities around us, in the counties around us who don't know Jesus. And somebody from hell is not going to come back to tell them. So who is? Father, I pray that we as believers would be the example of Christ and the messenger of Christ to a lost and dying world. To, to share with people the hope and the love of Jesus Christ and then to demonstrate that in our actions towards them. Father, I pray that you will stir within our hearts as believers here this morning to make the greatest impact that we could possibly make in this life for your kingdom in whatever days any of us who are here this morning have left on this earth. Lord, it may just be some simple gesture. It may be some simple word. It may be the fact that we're committed to pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts for at least one person in this coming year. Father, I pray that your will will be done in and through this church. But Lord, for those who maybe made that decision and prayed that prayer this morning, give them the courage to step forth in this invitation. Lord, there may be others who are here this morning that you're working in their hearts to come and to join this fellowship and 
that want to become a part of this body here at Highland as we seek to make an impact for your kingdom. Father, I pray that you would lead those people to make that decision this morning also as you lead them and guide them. So Lord, bless us during this time. And Lord, may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand? Would you sing our hymn of invitation number 312, softly and tenderly? Brother Mike, come and lead us if you will. to be seated for just a moment. Marlon and Jack Dowd's surgery was successful. Uh, Myra, Myra Watson is uh, under hospice care. We ask that you uh, pray for uh, Roger Williams as he has uh, knee surgery coming up uh, late uh, next week, uh, tomorrow actually. And um, I'm a Jean's daughter, Cindy Smith, is in ICU in Nashville. Um, not really sure, but be in prayer for her. And the uh, missions team will meet at the organ right after service. Let's be dismissed with prayer. Father God, thank you for the privilege of prayer, for the privilege of worshiping together. We ask that you be with the prayer concerns that we have, that have been mentioned, and the prayer concerns that each one of us has on our heart. 
We ask, Lord, that you forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's holy name, amen. Amen.